Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope. That this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Local City Church. Good to see everybody this morning. It's, n- it's nice when uh, when we meet in the house of the Lord and it's full and there's energy and the Holy Spirit shows up and God's here. God's doing something. The Lord's speaking to us. So I would just invite you to lean in. I-, I don't know what God has for you today, individually and specifically, but everything that we've done today so far from our home team service as we prepare for you to arrive and, and host you well to worship, uh, has just had a touch of the Spirit on it. And so uh, I, I just, I want more of that. I don't know about you, but I want more of that. And so uh, before we jump in, uh, and I'm excited to jump in, I think that, that God's given us a word for today. I want to I do two things. First, I want to welcome all those watching online, a local city online. Can we clap for them? We love having you online. The last couple of weeks, weirdly, I've heard stories from, from people all over the place saying, man, I watched this or I was encouraged by that. And you kind of forget that uh, we love doing this on Sunday mornings, but we, we have a reach around the globe. Uh, and that's incredible. That's incredible. And secondly, uh, it is uh, September 11th. And so uh, obviously uh, that means something to us. If you're an American on, on 9-11, uh, back in 2001, there was a tragedy that, that befell the United States. And and was felt uh, most specifically in, in New York, but really a- across the country. And, and we're forever changed by that. You know, there are those moments in history where you never forget where you're at or, or what, what was happening, or it's just kind of seared in the, the collective conscience of the country. And so, uh, you know, I, I just want to pray over that. I just want to pray over that uh, because we know as believers uh, that when we invite God into it, that's the way that we walk best through it, just like Pastor Joe said. And so uh, if you would, just take a moment, bow your heads, and, and let's pray over uh, the memory of those we've lost and, and how we're moving forward together. God, I just, I just pray over our nation. Father, uh, Father, you, your spirit is with us. And there are things that happen that we, we can't explain sometimes. There's tragedy and, and loss, and, and all we can do is turn to you. And so, Father, for, for everything that happened that day and everything that's happened since, we just we lay it at your feet and we invite you into it. We honor the memory of those who have been lost and those who have continued to fight for freedom. And, Father, we, we lift up the families and friends of those people who were impacted and are still impacted. And we, we surrender ultimately to you. For, for while we know that we can experience troubles in, in this world, we know that we're called to a higher purpose, that we're not just citizens of the United States, but we're citizens of heaven, and that we can hope in the eternal promise that's provided by your son, Jesus. And I would pray that on this day, as we look back and remember, we would also look a little further back and never forget about the cross and the power that it has in our lives. And just as you've conquered sin and death in the grave, so too you provide that for us, Father. We, we pray over the service this morning and that your word would come forth, not, not of me, not out of our flesh, but Father, that your spirit would speak to your people today. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. 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 Well, as, as Pastor Ryan uh, shared on the video, uh, we're, we're stepping into a new collection of talks, and I'm, I'm very excited about this. Uh, the collection of talks that we're, we're jumping into is uh, a, really a question. Uh, why do we exist? Why do we exist? And I think for the believer, there's a few answers to that question, but as I was reading Scripture and preparing for this message, I think that, that God really turned my attention to the early church, and I started reading through the beginning of Acts, and if you're not familiar with the Acts of the Apostles. It's a, it's a New Testament book. It's, it's pretty much an oral history that became written of, of how the church developed and grew after Jesus ascended into heaven. And uh, it's, a, it's a part two of a two-part volume. The author who wrote Luke, the Gospel of Luke, also wrote Acts. And so Luke kind of ends with, with Jesus encouraging his disciples after raising up from the dead. And then uh, the beginning of Acts kind of is them waiting on the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit arriving and propelling the church forward. And so as I was kind of meditating on that and chewing on that scripture, the, the answer to this question for me today specifically is why do we exist? Well, it, it's for each other. It's for each other. And I think the, the other in that answer has a double meaning. We exist for one another in the body of Christ, the people to our right and to our left, the, the brothers and sisters we have in the faith, but also for other people, for the people outside of these walls that are not stepping foot. And even if they never step foot in here, we exist for them as well. And so uh, something that God is stirring up in me and I shared with our home team is, as I've read these first few chapters of Acts, is just, uh, just the innocence, but also the power of the early church. And, and I really believe this as a church, just looking at the people that I'm friends with here and the, the people on our home team that are serving, God is, is doing something. He's stirring something up. The, the, the 10 days, I don't think we've ever had a 10 days of prayer and fasting in the fall that's been so meaningful and impactful to our church. I think from the beginning, our 21 days in January has been really powerful almost every single year. But this year, it felt like people leaned in. They took an extra step. We had our worship night. We had over 40 people at our worship night. I mean, a couple of years ago when we were coming out of COVID, we were meeting at the Rialto. We, 70 was a big Sunday, right? We had 40 people on a Wednesday. And that's something to praise God about and be excited about because our, our worship is stirring something up. And, and I feel like for all of us, individually and corporately, there's, there's another step. There's a next level. But it's not something that we're going to step into accidentally, and it's certainly not something that we're going to step into without the Holy Spirit. And so that's why I think this particular bit of Scripture has been moving in me so much because I, 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 I'm just like the disciples, right? I didn't have it figured out. I mean, you think about like putting yourself in that mindset, right? You're like 18, 19. This was the guy. Jesus was the man, right? Like thousands on the hillside. I'm with him, right? Like, I'm one of the 12, and then all of a sudden, it comes crashing down. There, there's a cross and a death and a fear and a, and, a, and a weight that falls on you and a hiding in a room, and what's next? We thought this was it. And then he shows up, and you're like, this is it. And then he says, hey, but I, I've got I've to go. I've got to leave again so that you can do things that are greater. You see, at, at that moment, when Jesus says that, 
The following has dwindled. People have walked away. The Bible says in Acts, it's 120 people left from the the thousands that were following and wanting to hear more and sitting on the mountainside. It's down to 120 people, which is nice, right? You go from 12 to 120, that's 900% growth. That's significant growth, right? Us as a church, we started in a living room with just a few people, maybe a few more than 12. If we have 120 on a Sunday, that's good growth. But Jesus says, no, you're going to do greater things. And I'm sitting there, I'm in the room, I'm a 19-year-old, I'm like, Jesus, you're leaving and I'm going to do greater things? Are you nuts? And then the Holy Spirit enters the equation. And a few chapters later, they're numbered at 5,000. And so 120 to 5,000 is not not 900% growth, that's 4,000% growth. And all of a sudden, maybe Jesus knew what he was talking about. And I'm doing things that I wasn't capable of doing before. I think we're ready for that as a church. I think we're ready to step into taking Jesus at his word and saying, you know what? Absolutely, God, we're going to do greater things than Jesus could do. But it's not going to happen on accident. And and I think that for us as a community, it really boils down to what we do with that individually. We all play a part. We all have to respond to the call. We all have to be for each other. And so as we read this story in Acts chapter 3, I I read it and I, I I get jazzed. Like, I get excited. Like, I want stories like this in my life. You you see, Peter and John, two of our original 12 disciples, they went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. Yeah, 3 o'clock prayer service at the temple. As they approached the temple, a man who was lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate. So he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. I think as a people of God, sometimes we become fixated on what we don't have instead of leaning into what we do have in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is something that I'm wrestling with myself. I'm not preaching from a place of finality. And and quite, quite frankly, I don't know that there's a finish line with Jesus until we get to heaven, but there's gotta be more. And if there is, I, I, want, I want it. I want more of it. I wanna focus on what I do have, not what I don't. Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized this was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were astounded. They rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Why do we exist? For each other. 
Sometimes we got to reach down and extend a hand. Sometimes we got to hold tightly to one another. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, what is so surprising about this? Why stare at us as though we made this man walk by our own power? It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who's brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate. But despite Pilate's decision to release him, you rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. We have to collectively, as individuals and then corporately, all at the same time, we have to stir up and raise our level of faith. There's too much on the line not to. I don't know who the lame people are that are figuratively sitting at the gate as we walk into church or temple. I don't know who is in your sphere of influence that you can impact, but I know that if we have faith together, both individually and corporately, we can stir something up where God can move. Because I'll tell you, even Jesus couldn't move where there was no faith. It says he returned to his home and he couldn't do anything because there wasn't enough faith there. I don't have all the answers. I don't know how to stir it up. Again, I'm confessing to you that I'm just one of you and I get to stand up here and talk about it, but we've got to find a way to press deeper in and stir up faith. And I believe that from that, miracles can happen in this place. I believe it. I want to see it. I want stories like this. I'd rather talk about this than all the money I made on this venture or how big my business got here or all the people that, you know, told me I did a good job with this thing. Those are great stories to tell, and I don't want to minimize that. But I would rather say, you know what, the other day, me and Pastor Ryan were walking down the sidewalk, and we saw a guy, and we just said, hey, stand up and follow us. Jesus is the reason. And he stood up. Because I, I think that if we fast forward a little bit, right, Peter and John, they, they freak people out with this. They get arrested in the next chapter. And you know what the investigation finds? The, the police detectives pull them into the courtroom and they go, we got nothing. These are, these are ordinary guys. The only thing we know is that they've been with Jesus. Well, if that's all it takes, then I got I to gotta find a way to be with Jesus more. And so if we rewind and we go back to Acts chapter 2, just before this incredible miracle, we see in Acts 2.42 what the 120 disciples that were stirring up their faith devoted themselves to. And I think it's so important for us to understand that the word devoted here is no simple word like we think about it today. You know, I I love the Bible app, so don't take this the wrong way. I'm, I'm in there doing all kinds of plans and stuff and trying to get badges. I like badges. But you, you go in there and you do a plan and it's your devotional for the day. You know, you read a verse, you check a box, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, read verses, right? But this, this word devoted in the Greek, it, it, it means to persist in, in spite of difficulty. Like, like, this devotion is going to cost you something. 
And I love how Jesus says it in, in Matthew 7. This is Eugene Peterson's message translation. He says, don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. In Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves to four things. We're going to talk about them. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. The first one, first critical devotion. That's what I'm calling them, critical devotions. The apostles' teaching. We have to challenge ourselves to stretch and grow in our knowledge of the Scriptures. We, we just have to. Second Timothy says it this way. This is Paul, and we actually talked about this two weeks ago if you were here. Pastor Ryan talked about different people you want to have in your life. Paul was a mentor to Timothy, a mentee, right? So, so these, are, these are powerful words. This is a mentor speaking to somebody who's submitted himself under authority. Hey, give me wisdom. Paul says this. This was worth writing, according to Paul. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you want to do good works, you need to be equipped. If you want to be equipped, then you need to get in the word of God. Devotions are good, but when's the last time, I'm asking myself, this isn't for you, I'm asking myself, but if you want to include yourself, you can. When's the last time you read a verse and you challenged yourself to let it teach you something or rebuke you or correct you or train you up in righteousness. See, God's word, you thought it was a book, right? It, it's, a, it's a training manual. It's a textbook. It's a history. It's, it's wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we've got to understand, I don't get to read it and then tell God what it means or what I think about it or how it should be interpreted. It's his word. And I need to lean into that and let it teach me. Let it correct me. I, I, I need to be okay with being offended by God's word sometime. God, I disagree with you, but you know what? You're God and I'm not. So that's okay. I think a very practical step here, if you're not already doing this, there's a um, brilliant guy, love him to death, his name's Bob Sorge. He's written several books, but one book that I would really encourage you to lean into, if, you've, if, you're, if you're not a reader, it's not hard. It's 52 chapters, one for every week. It's meant to be a little devotional. It's called Secrets of the Secret Place. So powerful. All those amens were people that read it. You should go read it. In... in in the 16th or 17th, 18th week, somewhere in there, right? The first time I read this, I was, I don't know, 22, 23. I knew everything, right? So I was just reading for fun. So I go in and I'm reading this book. And you ever like read something in a book that makes you put it down and like walk away and you're like, I'm done with that. <laughs> Bob got me. He got me. 
He said that the, the secret of journaling. And, and essentially, uh, Bob, in so many words, said, RJ, who are you? Who are you that the creator of the universe, God Almighty, who sent his son for you, would tell you something in the secret place, would, would reveal himself to you, and then you wouldn't write that down? And I said, Bob. But, it, but it's true. What, what am I going to like? I'll just remember it, God. <laughs> no. Not if I'm trying to be taught. Not if I'm trying to be corrected. Not if I'm trying to be trained up in righteousness. The best students are the best note takers. The, the secret place is not just a place of intimacy with the Father. It is, but it's more than that. It's a place where you can experience the knowledge of the Scriptures, find revelation, be trained up. It starts there. It's a critical devotion. Number two, fellowship. Fellowship. Now, this is intentional. It's not spend time in community. It's schedule time in community. And there's the next two points, two and three, right? You already know the answers to the test. I gave you two beforehand. It's Circle Sunday. We as a church are trying to rally around you and make space for fellowship because it's critical Psalms 133 says, says this. It's a three-verse psalm, so I fit it all on one slide for you. It says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for the brothers to live together in unity. At the end of the verse, it says that the Lord commanded blessing where? There, in unity. What can you not spell without unity? Community. Fellowship. Sharing things in common with people. You have to be in fellowship. Why? If we read the, the verse, it's like the precious oil on the head running down upon the beard as on Aaron's beard, the oil which ran down upon the edge of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountain of, of Zion. In, in the Old Testament, thank God they don't do this anymore, they used to pour oil on the head of the high priest when they anointed him. Pastor got to skip out on this. But it would just flow all the way down. And it was meant to symbolize a grace that was covering over them to lead the community into wholeness, into unity, into togetherness. Because that man was going to have to stand before God and, and be the intermediary between God and his people to advocate on their behalf. And thank God for Jesus, right? Now we have a high priest who's walked this life as a human but ascended to the right hand of the Father. We don't, we don't need a high priest to be anointed with oil because we have one already in Jesus. But that covering, that grace, it's on community. Like the dew on Hermon. It, it, what, is, what is dew when it fully covers? It refreshes. It grows. It brings new life. When the, when the grass is starting to wither and fade because the sun has set and it's dark, the dew comes and covers it, and it breathes new life, new freshness into the grass on the mountain. That's what we need in community. It's a freshness that God wants to lay on you, even in darkness, even in discomfort. That's what he's lifting you up to in community. There's blessing there. Sometimes we think of, of blessing, and this for me, totally, you get stuck in this mindset of, in this box of like, blessing means money. 
No, sometimes blessing means the next breath. Sometimes blessing means the next step when you feel like you took your last step. God is there. He wants to breathe new life. He wants to cover you with grace. There's newness. There's freshness for you in fellowship. Number three, this is my favorite, breaking of bread. Breaking of bread. Just like we said you got to schedule time in community, you've got to schedule dinner with your people. You've got to schedule dinner with your people. Now, let's be, let's be fluid with this word dinner, right? Let's be flexible. It could be breakfast. could be lunch. could be coffee. could be tea. I don't know if you visit the tea room. Do it there. Schedule mealtime interaction with your people. 1 Peter 4, 9 says, says, be hospitable to one another without complaint. This is Peter, the hero of our story. At the end of his life, when he's encouraging and writing to other people, what does he say? He says, man, hospitality. We learned it in Acts 2, how powerful the breaking of bread was for the believers. And, and I'll tell you what, at the end, I still think it's just as powerful. We say this verse a lot here in Proverbs 27, 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Iron doesn't sharpen iron at a distance. It's proximity. It's a rubbing together that creates some sparks, but some action, some movement, some refinement. There's breaking of bread. You've got to schedule it. I, I did some research Ann Fischel is an executive director at the Family Dinner Project. Um, she talked about the, the academic studies that have been done on family dinners and, and really family mealtimes. And, and before I jump into some of those statistics, I would just encourage you with this. If Jesus did it, I should probably do it. I didn't do a comprehensive study, but I did flip through a few pages and a lot of Google. And did you know that in, in Jesus' recorded time on earth, which depending on the gospel you read is an average of like 21, 22 chapters, right? I could count on, on, on my study at least 14 unique and individual times where Jesus shared a meal with somebody. It was important to him. Breaking bread with others was, was something that, that Jesus leaned into, right? Almost every chapter of his life, he was found at the dinner table with friends. And, and so what does the Family Dinner Project call an acceptable numbers? Well, most of these academic studies say three or more dinners together, right? Whether it's you and your kids or even adults with other adults, family, dinner, they found that the results are clear, Regular family dinners are clearly and obviously associated with lower rates of depression, anxiety, substance abuse, eating disorders, tobacco use, and early teenage pregnancy, as well as higher rates of resilience and higher self-esteem. And she goes on to say that even for adults, both with and without children, there are numerous health benefits to eating with other people, including lowering the odds of obesity and increasing the general welfare of people. Even unrelated adults have enhanced team performance when they cook and eat together. 
Why, why was the, the early church so powerful? They were a team whose performance was enhanced by the breaking of bread together. I, I think if we look at all of these four things casually and we rank them on order of importance, dinner in the current culture in which we live would fall straight to the bottom, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. Make sure you're reading the word and you're, you're praying and that there's fellowship together, but we got Uber Eats. We're good. No, no, no. Jesus did it. I need to do it. There's power in it. And I love that breaking bread together is spiritual. I like eating. So that's a win for me. Number four, prayer. Number four, prayer. Intimate time shaped by personal interactions with the Father. This one... Jesus left no room for error on, right? Some of the other points, right, there's stories about, or Jesus tells parables, or he makes suggestions. This one, he says, hey, listen up. I can't have you guys mess this one up. Here's how you pray, right? He, he, just, he just pulls the Band-Aid off and says, here's how you do it. Here's the instructions on the back of the box, right? Pray like this. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have been indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I, I, I heard this prayer turned into a very simple modern formula by um, a great Christian leader, Pastor uh, Chris Hodges, Church of the Highlands, he said um, it's transformed his family. He said this, this is where he's felt it, seen it the most. He's like, sure, I pray lots of things at lots of different times, but every morning over my kids and my wife and my house, I pray for three things. I pray that we grow in our fear of the Lord, that favor of the Lord rests upon us, and that we make friends that take us to Jesus. And, and what do we see here in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, not our our friend, although he is, but a, a, a reverence, a title. Holy is your name. Your way, not my way, your way. Fear of the Lord and awe for who he is and who we are not. Give us this day our, our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. God, I need your favor to rest upon my life. I don't always show up and get it right. I don't always know where the next meal or paycheck or answer to prayer is coming from, but just give me your favor, that your favor would rest upon me and, and lead me not into temptation. Deliver me. Father, bring people around me that will support me, encourage me, stand with me, that, that will be friends that lead me closer to you. It's, it's right there. We go back to our, our story, Acts 3. Peter and John, together in fellowship, going to three o'clock prayer. Probably just had lunch for the purpose of the story they did. They broke bread together. They look at this man intently, purposefully, They took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. It's fellowship. Community. 
a helping hand. As they did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed. Can I, can I share something with you? It blows my mind that God was ready to do a miracle there, but it took a step of faith. It took actual physical action. Peter had to reach down and grab the man and pull him up. He had to look at him intently. Hey, look at me. God's going to do something, but I, I need you to work with me here. He lifts him up, and the feet and ankles were instantly healed. They all rushed out in amazement, and Peter saw his opportunity. This is critical. We've got we've to catch this. There's an order to this. There's a spiritual and biblical order. You stay devoted. That helps you see people, and then you seize opportunity. It, it doesn't happen out of order. You, you don't avoid devotion and then seize opportunity. You, you don't see people when you're not spending time with God. You've got to stay devoted. That will help me see people the way God sees people. I just think about God in heaven looking at this lame man at the beautiful gate thinking, you thought today was just going to be a normal day outside the three o'clock prayer service. But I was going to have Peter and John show up and do something miraculous. They were going to step out and be stirred up in faith. And when they lifted you up, I'm going to heal your legs. And you're never going to be the same again. And people are going to rush out and be, oh my, I'm astounded. This was the lame man. No, he's not a lame man anymore. He had a moment with God. And, and, and now Peter has an opportunity. You, you, you thought this was a lame man, but he's not. He's been healed. And, and you think this was from us? This wasn't from us? Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. I don't know where you're going when you leave this place. I don't know what's going to happen this week. I don't know all the things you're going to be interacting with. Maybe you'll never walk by a lame beggar near a temple gate. I don't know. But how do we make this practical? Go back to the words of Jesus. He says this to his disciples as he's about to send them out. In Matthew 10, verse 5, don't begin by traveling to some far-off place to convert unbelievers. Don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick, raise the dead, touch the untouchables, kick out the demons. You've been treated generously, so live generously. He says this in the Sermon on the Mount. Here's another way to say it. You're here to be a light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God's not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Open up to others, and you'll prompt people to open up to God, our generous Father in heaven. Stay devoted. See people seize opportunity. I don't, I don't know what the future holds for local city church. I don't. But I, but I feel it. I think you can too, that God is doing something here. He's calling people unto himself. And, and I think that 
We gotta stay devoted. We gotta keep seeing people when they walk through the door. We gotta learn names and stories and reach out and have dinner and build fellowship and pray together. And then just maybe, just maybe, God will do what he's always done and give us opportunities to seize. Why are we here? Why do we exist? It's for each other. It's for each other. So, so let's pray together that we would have bigger faith, that we would stir ourselves up, that we would want to tell crazy stories about the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, not for the stories, not for the acclaim, not for the opportunity, but, but because we know that we've got to stay devoted and each person matters. Every story, every name, matters. And, and the beautiful, amazing outcome from that is just opportunity springs up. Lord, I thank you so much for today. I thank you so much that there's, there's so many amazing things and ministries going on at Local City Church, that we've got fellowship happening in the lobby. We've got Circle Sunday and Growth Track and Party Sunday and baptisms next week, and, and you're moving in all of it. And Father, if people would just step out in faith and call upon your name and humble themselves and seek you and pray, you would return to us and you would show up in a mighty way. So we invite your Holy Spirit in to do the work that only you can do, God. Help us to stay devoted. Help us to see people. Help us to seize opportunity and lift your name up. Magnify the name of Jesus for the people in the city of Tampa around the globe. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church/give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.